I really can't remember when I first met him. Shim never talked about anything except the present and the future, and that was true of all the Magnum photographers. They didn't talk about the war, they didn't talk about their childhood, it was always here and now. He loved children. I don't know why. Maybe he was always, you know, he had a very childlike part of himself, and when he was happy, he was so um, jolly and imaginative, and he used to send back the most ridiculous presents. I mean, Kappa always sent perfume with sort of insinuating names like Femme or Jurid, what was it, Juritur or something like that. Anyway, Shim, one Easter, uh, sent over with a friendly pilot from Rome a little crate of chocolate eggs, but they were all white on the outside, so we all thought they were real eggs. <laughs> it was the sort of thing he would do. At another time, he sent me this. He brought back this from Sicily, and uh, he was very much into folk art. Another time, he brought back a scarf by Hermes yet with um, all kinds of French national costumes. So uh, he was not a person who uh, stepped along the ordinary road. And of course, by this time, he had become what he called himself a civil right, I think is the word. That's the person who lives to enjoy, because he knew all about the best restaurants, not the most expensive restaurants necessarily, but the best restaurants. And um, he just was a wonderful host when people came from the States to visit him in Europe. And of course, he was very well read. I mean, he and Ali were always reading the same books, and I think their, their friendship was largely based on that, but he didn't talk about that. And by the way, he and Kappa always lived at hotels, which I thought was very odd. They never had a home, and maybe Kappa had a home once or twice before the war in Paris when he was with Gerda. But Shim lived in, a, in hotels, and in Rome, when he after a few years in the 50s, he discovered Venice, fell absolutely in love with Venice. He got there after doing Eastern Europe, did a very early story on Venice, including a lot of color which has never been seen. And uh, then he decided he wasn't going to stay in Paris. He was going to leave Paris to Kappa and the Paris office, and he was going to be in Rome. He was always very well dressed. Even the pictures of a young man show him in a three-piece suit i.e. with a waistcoat. And there's a picture of him that he took on a fishing trawler and he's wearing plus fours, you know, that was very fashionable in Europe in the 20s and 30s, the sort of like knickerbockers. So somehow he was always, and, and when he was young, he was very good looking and had lots of wavy hair. But that disappeared after a while, he had a big bald pate. But he was very warm. For example, I was called Engele, which is the miniature for Inge. All the letters that came from Europe, when came and came, were signed with love. And Chim, C-H-I-M, in capital letters. The same was true of Kappa. It was a very small, fam familiar affair. So eventually, um, by about, this went on all by correspondence, and about um, 1953, uh, this other girl, managed to get a free ride for me to go and visit my parents in Israel. And Shim was shooting in Israel. And so um, I got the free ride on Bob Kappa's pictures. 
So I first spent some time with Capo, who of course wanted to know all about Magnum. He always wanted to know what was happening in New York, what each photographer was doing, what we think, you know, how they would share, shape up and that sort of thing. So I spent some time with Capo in Paris, and then I went on to Israel, and I hadn't seen my parents for seven years. In fact, I hadn't seen them since I got married. And um, the very first night I arrived there, Shem arrived. And we were kind of taken aback. Because <laughs> he got a letter from Kappa saying, well, uh, I'm sending Inge over to you with a bottle of brandy. So uh, he had met, Shim had met my parents because he had come to photograph them for me, which was very kind of him, because I hadn't seen them so long. So anyway, he came and he kidnapped me uh, to Tel Aviv and to, I think it was the Hotel Dan, which was, you know, the place. And we were sitting there at the bar, and he was asking endless questions about Magnum, this, that, and the other. In the meantime, John Morris had joined earlier that year, so of course they all wanted to know how this was going too, you know. Anyway, we sat there and talked and talked and talked. Finally, my parents arrived from Ramat Gan to claim their daughter. I don't know what they thought of my reputation. <laughs> I was about 25 or something like that. There's no doubt that Chim thrived after Kappa, although he was heartbroken, but photographically, there's absolutely no doubt that his photography improved no end after Kappa died. The last two years when he did Berenson and Toscanini and all that Italian work, and Henri thought so too. So I think he was a little in awe of Kappa because Kappa was sort of the opposite of Chim. Shim was very quiet, he thought things very through, he was very rational, and he could be very funny. And I, I don't think Kappa was really very funny. I think Kappa had uh, quite a tragic streak, which he didn't show very often, but he was very clever, and he was a wonderful salesman, not just for himself, but for all of Magnum. He always knew exactly what editors would want, what they would go for, he had great empathy for people, but I think I think it couldn't have been that easy always to be a fiddle number two. Although they were very fond of each other. I mean, I always think they were to, when they were together, we had a meal with the two of them. I thought they acted like an old married couple. <laughs>